0: Did you bring your Bible with this morning? If you did, raise it up and hold it for a second. Do a Bible check here quickly. Great. Well, we are talking this morning about communion with God. Communion with God. I'd like to ask that you turn to Psalm 63 and just keep your finger in there for a moment. We'll get to that in a few moments time, but have that ready so long. Psalm 63 and verse 1. Now, two weeks ago, we began with a theme. And the theme is communion with God. We were due to carry on with it last week, but instead of hearing about it, we just did it. (laughs) We just had communion with God. Now, we looked at four important points last week. Those four points are as follows. Number one, God's original plan was to have communion with mankind. Very important to know that that's God's original plan. It's still His plan. It's the plan He's busy executing. Number two, the enemy broke up our relationship with God. Number three, God promised that our relationship would one day be restored. And that promise first was indicated in Genesis 3 and verse 15. And number four, The way was opened for restoration. When Jesus died on the cross, the veil was torn. And before we get on into today's message, I just want to say that we can know God. We can have relationship with God. I wonder if deep down within you believe that. It's very important that you need to align your heart with the truth of God's word. We can know God. We can have relationship with God. Some people think, well, if there is a God, He set the world in motion and then disappeared. And now it's just up up to us. We're left to our own devices. No, no, no. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says that this God of ours is so passionate about us that He sent His Son to die for us, ultimately so that He could be in us Christ in you, the mystery of the gospel. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Our God wants relationship with us. And you might be sitting here today, and you're 45 years old. You've never actually known relationship with God. Yes, you've been a believer. You've given your life to Jesus. But I want to say it's never too old to begin to cultivate communion with God. To begin to actually enjoy times of closeness with God. God wants you to experience that. Now, first, uh, the a- first aspect we're going to look at is there are many examples of communion with God in the Old Testament. We can learn a lot from these examples. Let's have a look at a few of them. Firstly, one which we mentioned uh, the other day was Adam and Eve. They were a perfect example of communion with God. And sometimes if you want to know God's original pattern, Well, then you must go back to where it was or how it was before sin came into the world. God's original plan was that he would fellowship with Adam and with Eve. And we have this beautiful picture of Jesus walking with them in the cool of the evening. What was that? It was communion with God. Another example is Enoch. The Bible says that Enoch walked with God. Abraham was also an example of communion with God because the Bible describes him as the friend of God. Isaiah 41 verse 8 says, But you, Israel, are my servant, Jacob, whom I have chosen, the descendants of, listen to this, Abraham, my friend. This is God speaking kind of in the first person. He's talking about a human being. God is talking about a human being. And He's speaking of him and He's saying, Abraham, my friend. It is possible to be a friend of God. Moses is another example of communion with God. He spoke face to face with God. Exodus thirty-three eleven says, So the Lord spoke with Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. What a privilege. David, one of the best examples is David. David enjoyed the most intimate communion with God. And that's why we're looking at Psalm 63, verse 1. Let's look at this, but with the eyes of a guy who's in fellowship with God. Understanding it from that point of view. He says, oh God, you are my God. Early, I'm going to get up early in the morning, God, and I'm going to seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. On earth, there is no spiritual water. We have to go to God for spiritual water. So I have looked for you in the sanctuary to see your power and your glory. Because your loving kindness is better than life. My lips shall praise you. David was so wrapped up in God, he so enjoyed his love relationship with God, that it was better than being alive. God's loving kindness was better than life, David said. Thus I will bless you while I live. I will lift up my hands in your name. We need to realize it is biblical to lift up our hands in your name. My soul shall be satisfied as with marrow and fatness, and my mouth shall praise you with joyful lips. When I remember you on my bed, interesting, even on his bed, he would be fellowshipping with God. I meditate on you in the night watches, because you have been my help. How many of you can say, the Lord has been my help? I can say that. Therefore, in the shadow of your wings... I will rejoice. My soul follows close behind you. Another translation says, Follows hard after you. Your right hand upholds me. David is just an example of communion with God. Now, actually every person in the Old Testament that played a significant role had fellowship with God to a greater or lesser extent. But there was something that puzzled me, because in terms of having communion with God, we said the other day that when Adam and Eve sinned, that communion was broken, and they were told to go out of the garden. So that communion became broken, and there was a veil that hindered us from real access into the presence of God. And then we said as well that when Jesus died on the cross, that veil was torn, signifying that we could now once again come into the presence of God. So, between the Garden of Eden and the veil being torn, there was a veil. So then I thought, well, how could it be that these guys in the Old Testament could actually experience God if there was a veil? (laughs) Does anybody agree with me? That's a sensible question. And the only conclusion I could come to is that God simply decided to reveal Himself to certain people. Maybe it would be for our learning even nowadays that we could see something of what it is to relate to God. Despite the veil, God just said, I'm going to reveal myself to certain people, but it was limited to a few. Then when Jesus died on the cross, it became open to everyone who would want to fall in love with Jesus to have communion with God. Number two, We've looked at some Old Testament examples. Now, there are also many examples of communion with God in the New Testament. Let's take a look at a few of them. First one that comes to mind is the disciples. Here was a group of 12 people that knew what it was to have fellowship with God through his son Jesus. But out of those 12, we know that there was Peter, James, and John. And these guys pushed in a little bit closer. Sometimes you say, well, why doesn't God touch me like he touches that other person in church? And and they always seem to to really end up crying in God's presence, or they seem to experience a touch greater than I do. I believe it's simply because some people want to push in more. But out of Peter, James, and John, who was it that pressed in even further? John. The Bible says that he laid his head on the chest of Jesus. What is that an example of? Communion with God. Each of you, and myself included, we can experience what John experienced. And I believe we can experience even greater, because now it's not outside of a person, but the Spirit of God has come to live inside of you, man of God, woman of God. Mary, another example in the New Testament, she sat at the feet of Jesus. She just had time with God. And she even kind of neglected her duties a little bit. And Martha had to do a lot of the work. But Mary, you just couldn't keep her from spending time with God. She just wanted to be with Jesus. The Apostle John knew the pleasure. This is not the disciple now. This is the Apostle John. Knew the pleasure of communion with God. He wrote wrote about abiding in Him. You can't write about abiding in Christ. If you don't understand something of communion with Christ. Another example is Paul. He had continual fellowship with God, so much so that he was used of God to write the majority of the New Testament. Paul not only would talk to God, but God would speak to him. That is communion, not just one way, God, give me this. God heal my business. God, do that. No, no, no. He would allow God to speak to him. Two-way communion. And as a result of that, some of the most profound things that we have in the Bible were written through him being a vessel. What was he doing? He was just simply having communion with God. Turn to John 15, please. John 15 and verse 4 to 9. John 15, verse 4, it says, Abide in me. Let those three words sink in. Abide in me. Do you think you can get closer communion than that? Can you have closer fellowship with God than that? It doesn't get closer. It says, Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. Or I'd like to say, unless you have communion with me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. What is the picture here? Well, there's a picture of the vine and the branches, but the gist of it is a relationship. This is speaking about a relationship with God. Jesus is the vine, we are the branches. And if our lives are connected in loving relationship to God, not just once a week when we come to church, but... Throughout the regular course of our week, if our lives are connected in a continual relationship to God, it releases life into us. It releases the very nature of God into us. And we begin to live abundantly. We begin to flourish. Our lives produce fruit for God. Now, number three. Sometimes we struggle to hear God's voice, but let's confess God's word in this regard. Sometimes we struggle to hear God's voice, but let's confess God's word in this regard. I was with a bunch of men a little while ago, and we were at a men's kind of meeting. And at one point in time, we broke up into groups, and we were discussing certain things, and The one guy in the group, he was basically very pessimistic about hearing God's voice. In essence, he was saying, "You you can't really hear God's voice. I mean, you don't know—is it—is it it the devil? Is it you? Is it your own imagination? Is it God? You know, what what is it?" And and I thought to him, I I thought my friend, don't say that, you know, because he was a born again Christian, but he's just confessing, "No, no, no, you can't hear God's voice. Don't confess that." But we have to bring our Confession and our beliefs, not according to our own opinion, but according to what God's Word says. Now, we're close to it. turn to John 10 and verse 1 to 5. John 10 verse 1 to 5. And as we read this, I want you to look out for the reality of us hearing and knowing the voice of God. John 10 verse 1, Most assuredly I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs up some other way, the same is a thief and a robber. That's talking about the enemy. But he who enters by the door is the sheep shepherd of the sheep. This is speaking about Jesus. To him, that's the shepherd, the doorkeeper opens. Now listen to this. And... The sheep hear His voice. Jesus is the shepherd. You and I are the sheep. This says, the sheep hear His voice. Wouldn't you say after me, I hear God's voice. The sheep hear His voice, and He calls His own sheep by name, and He leads them out. And when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them. And the sheep follow him, look at this, for they know his voice. Just before we said, hear his voice. Now they say, for they know his voice. Won't you say to me? I know his voice. Verse 5. Yet they will by no means follow a stranger, but will flee from him for they do not know the voice of strangers. Sometimes you're so worried that you're going to hear from the devil. (laughs) You've got to know, when you open yourself up to the Holy Spirit, you hear holy inputs. And it speaks here of also not knowing the voice of strangers. I want to reinforce to you today that you hear God's voice and you know God's voice. Maybe you just A little bit, but you can grow and develop this aspect of knowing and hearing God's voice. You can learn to tune in more and more. And there's many people who've maybe been serving the Lord for a longer time in the congregation today. And you can testify, I'm sure, about just being able to tune in and hear the voice of the Lord. So our confession needs to come into line with God's Word. But now, My question is, why do we struggle to hear God's voice accurately? God does speak. We do know His voice. But why is it that we struggle in this area? And I'd like to suggest the following. I've written it down. I'd like to read it. Maybe we struggle in the area of hearing God's voice because the Western mindset And Christianity places too much emphasis on rationalism. Think about that for a moment. We have been brought up in an environment where great emphasis is placed on the mind. And very little emphasis has been placed on the spirit. But we know according to God's Word that we are body, soul, and spirit. And I believe that it's because of this rationalism that we think that it's in the mind purely that we communicate with God. And I believe that that is a mistake. Now, can I make a statement which will test and see if you are affected by rationalism. Okay, is that alright? May I do so? You can say yes? Nobody's saying, okay, I've got a few yeses, thank you, based on that, we'll proceed. Let me make this statement to see if you're affected by rationalism. As born-again believers, we should be more open to spiritual experiences. As born-again believers, we should be more open to spiritual experiences. Now, if some of you felt a little bit nervous about that statement, Oh, spiritual experiences. John, what are you talking about? Yoga, Zen, or you know? what, What is this, you know? You might be just slightly affected. But you see, Let me give you a scripture which will prove how God speaks to your spirit. The Bible says in Romans 8 verse 16, it says, The Spirit Himself bears witness with our mind. No. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. I believe we need to be open to spiritual experiences. The Bible is so full of them. On the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit being poured out. Walking on the road to Emmaus, the disciples, supernatural experience of God coming and meeting with them. The feeding of the 5,000, supernatural things, a spiritual experience of many being fed. The Bible is so full of spiritual experiences. When it comes to the Western mindset, we suddenly say, no, 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 we can't. Deny the Spirit. And we just focus on the body and the soul. Deny the Spirit. No, we are spirit, soul, and body. And the Spirit, imagine that this is the Holy Spirit, this is your Spirit. The Spirit Himself bears witness with your spirit that you're a child of God, if indeed you are. He makes it known to your spirit. And I believe that there's something that we have to get into and understand about this thing of communion with God, that we have to allow our spirit to connect with the Holy Spirit. Does anybody agree with me? Anyone say amen. How can we overcome this barrier of not hearing God's voice? I believe that we can acknowledge that we're not where we need to be. We can ask for forgiveness for allowing rationalism to lead us, of course. We can accept what God's word says, my sheep hear my voice. We can ask God to begin to help us discern more clearly His voice. And we can begin to expect and practice communion with God. Now, number four, the last point, and I'll be brief on this one. Number four, five steps to a life of communion with God. Now, before I mention these five steps, I'd like to say the following. Some people believe that reading the Bible is the complete answer to, to hearing God's voice and to communion with God. Some people believe that the baptism in the Holy Spirit is the complete answer to communion with God. Now, the Bible is very important. Reading of the Word is crucial. Experiencing the fullness of the Spirit of God is crucial. But you can have both of those things and yet not come and be with Jesus. Jesus. The scripture I read last, read last week is john five thirty nine I'll just read it to you five verse thirty nine and forty it says you search the scriptures for in them you think you have eternal life but you are not willing to come to me. come to me that you may have life. In the message version it says you have your heads in the Bibles, in your bibles constantly. Because you think you'll find eternal life there, but you miss the forest for the trees. These scriptures are all about me. And here I am, standing right before you. The point is that communion with God begins when you come and you be (laughs) with God. Communion with God happens when you take time to know Him. When you take time to talk to Him. When you take time in a service like this, to worship God, when you're driving in your car and you get your eyes off the, mo- off the traffic for a moment, well, you get your <laughs> spiritual eyes off the traffic for a moment and you begin to talk with God, that's when communion takes place, when you come to Him. And He's calling you. He says, I will give you rest. And isn't it amazing? I'm sure you'll agree. You take a few moments in coming to God, and you suddenly feel good. You suddenly feel refreshed. And you rise up on wings as eagles when you wait on God. Those five points to a life of communion with God. Number one, quiet yourself before the Lord. That's about being still and knowing that He is God. We're going to focus a bit more on that next Sunday. Secondly, ask the Lord to open your spiritual eyes and ears. Number three, allow a two-way flow of communication. It's not just you presenting your requests to God. It's about you also being quiet and allowing God to speak to you, to pick up the rhythms of His heart. Number four, write down what the Lord says to you. I've discovered that many people who have a great relationship with God, they also seem to have a journal. They've got a journal. And they write things down. Maybe not all the time, but here and there, maybe in the course of a month, two or three times, they just pick up a journal, write them some, some things down. Oftentimes I've seen those people have a remarkable walk with the Lord because in writing something down, it's, it takes it the next step. And number five, act on what He says. And so we busy, church, with a little bit of a journey in terms of fellowshipping with God, in terms of strengthening and building our relationship with God. Over these next few weeks, we plan to focus on communion with God, and I'm trusting that God is going to lead us on. How many of you are hungry for more fellowship with God, more communion with God? Wonderful. Why don't you stand and let's pray. Would you stand and take the hand of the person next to you? Please don't leave at this point unless you're part of the tea team. Take the hand of the person next to you and let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, we appreciate you. Jesus, we say that you are wonderful. Holy Spirit, thank you for the reality of your presence in our lives. And Lord, we confess as a body today that we really can grow more in our knowledge of you, in our fellowshipping with you, in our communion with you. Lord, we ask you that if there's been an overemphasis on rationalism in our lives, that you would help us to correct that balance. But we say, like David said, that our hearts thirst for you. And our souls thirst for you. In a dry and thirsty land where there is no water, But you are the one that satisfies. You are the one that brings the fulfillment that we so desire in our lives. So we say to you, Lord God, we're pursuing you. We say to you, Lord God, our hearts are after you. In Jesus' name. I say the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. Lord, lift up the light of His smile upon you and give you peace. In Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you, everybody. Have a wonderful Sunday. Join us for tea and coffee in the foyer. Also, if you'd like a a copy of this service, it's available on CD or DVD in the foyer. And those that want to join as members, this Tuesday night, please give in your name at the info desk right away. Any dads that didn't receive a chocolate or you want to take one to your father, there's some spare. Thank you.